our last time. Just one more time. to take our burdens to the Lord this evening and leave it there and leave it there. I greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's just turn our Bibles. God bless you. Let's just turn to the book of John. John chapter 7. Amen. I understand it is the birthday of Sister Salome. Happy birthday. May you see many more blessed years in Christ. Amen. It's John, the seventh chapter, from verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which that they should believe on him, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was born? Was. So there was a division among the people because of him. I want you to keep that at the top of your mind. There was a division among the people because of him. And actually, my message is a division among the people 
because of him. A division among the people because of him. Verse 44. And some of them would have taken him. But no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees. And they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never men speak like this man. How many agree that never men speak like this man? Verse 47. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? So they had sent them as an undercover uh, to spy on him. Uh, and as they were listening, just to try to find an accusation or a charge that they can lay against him, they as well, the spies were moved by the word of God and say, no man speak like this man. When he speaks, even a critic will have to acknowledge, no man speaks like the Messiah. Shall we bow our heads? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening. We have opened the scriptures, dear God. And Lord, we are solemnly depending on thy divine inspiration because, Lord, you said in, through the prophet messenger what it is going to take to stand in the end time. It is a scripturally trained church. That is why we have this meeting so that we can go through the Bible study so that we can understand the times and the seasons and the promises that are attached to these seasons so that we should know where we are scripturally and furthermore, a closer walk with thee. And above all, to expose Satan in the end time. We know, dear God, this truth that we have received in the end time can expose even a well-dressed lie. And that is why we have come here and we are committing ourselves to you, dear God. May you be gracious to us as we take this spirit, it is service, and commit it under the control of the Holy Spirit for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. While you take your seats, we, we have sisters Daphne, if you can stand to your feet. She has been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you richly. Uh, After baptism, she said, I feel much lighter. I said, it is because he that the sun sets free, he becomes free indeed. You may take your seats, my my sister. God bless you. Welcome on this journey. Uh, the battle will be fought, but it is not your battle, it is the Lord's battle. Amen. How many agree that have long been on the journey, that this is the Lord's battle? Amen. Uh, uh, as long as you take sides with Jesus, he will never disappoint you. Amen. We appreciate the Lord. She, she told me that she just met 
Brother Allen. And for some reason, she felt led to speak to Brother Allen and ask her, you going to church? And Brother Allen said, sure, I'm going to church. And they spoke a bit about a church. And Brother Allen said, why don't you come along? You certainly uh, will be blessed if you come along with me to church. And she said, one of the most mysterious and impressive things that she encountered was how she came in and everybody was just silent and everybody was reading the word of God and the silence thereof moved on her heart. Amen. What is happening? And then she said a lot of times you go to certain churches before the minister comes this one is chatting to that one that one is busy on the cell phone but here there was an order. Amen. Amen. You remember the Queen of Sheba when she saw the order in the Temple of Solomon? The Bible says, then the spirit that was upon her left her. That critical spirit. There is so much that God can do during a church order. I say there is so much that God can do during a period of grace. He can even heal the sick during the period of grace. There is a message of silence. Amen. But I'm not there. I want to speak on there was a division because of him. Amen. Now, Brother Brandon spoke about this message, who is this? And later he preached the message, who is this Melchizedek? Amen. And someone's for us to understand what caused the, the divisions, we've got to go and find out who is he. Amen. Amen. Uh, because the dispute was around who is he. Amen. Are we, do you still believe that he, he's still causing divisions in the end time? Amen. Amen. Maybe just so that you relax, somebody say, ah, I thought he's bringing unity. Then you are not... Uh, as a student of the scripture, let's go to the book of Luke 12, verse 51. Luke 12. We can read it together. Suppose ye, ye that are I am come to give peace on earth. I tell you nay, I tell you nay. but rather division. Are you with me? Amen. So do you see that it was not by default? For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided. The rest of the people may join us. Three against two. Three against two. two against three. Two against three. The father shall be divided against the son. The father shall be divided against the son. And the son against the father. And the son against the father. The mother against the daughter. The mother against the daughter. 
and the daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Who brings this division? Christ. Amen. We are going to look into that uh, so that you understand where we are coming from. Amen. Now, Brother Brenham, in the message, uh, and I think I was fellowshipping with Sister Maria, and she mentioned that one of the uh, greatest confusions that I've ever been has always been around the Godhead. And no wonder Brother Branham says it takes the Holy Ghost to understand the Godhead. Hallelujah. It takes the Holy Ghost to understand the Godhead. How many understand the Godhead in the building? The Amen was not quite confident. How many understand the Godhead in the building? Amen. Yes, say amen, because one day I might send a Jehovah Witness to your house and say, testify to the Jehovah Witness. Amen. amen. They are the ones that somewhat, they, they don't believe that Jesus Christ was God. Yeah. Uh, and because they are quite tricky, they don't believe that he was not God, and yet they don't believe in Trinity, and yet they have their own Bible. Amen. amen. Uh, two set of people that are difficult to convert. It is the Jehovah Witness and the Seven Adventists. Amen. But uh, despite them being good with the scriptures, they know that uh, life, the life that they aspire to, can never be found amongst them. Hallelujah. Uh, and the moment you aspire to live a certain life, but you cannot live it, the mere fact that there is a desire, it means that that life is available somewhere. Amen. Uh, are you with me? It may be that the environment and what you are feeding on does not give you that life, but it does not discount the fact that that life is available somewhere. And I believe that the message of the hour does produce holiness. I believe that the message of the hour does produce holiness. Now, yes, but we've got to qualify. There are three kinds of believers. A believer, a make-believer, an unbeliever. But here I'm, I'm, I'm basing my statement on a true believer. Among true believers that have yielded themselves to the message of the hour, this life of holiness shall be produced in their midst. Amen. Now, Brother Brenham, in the message, the, the Patmos vision, paragraph 132, it's a phrase that he just spoke. He said, the greatest of all revelations is the deity, the supreme deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. If somebody says something is the greatest, that means it is of paramount importance that means this, this is the pinnacle. Everybody that would want to know him must get to the point where they receive the revelations, the revelation of Jesus Christ, his deity. Are, are you still with me? Why is the revelation of Jesus Christ so important? It is because without the revelation of Jesus Christ, you are not born again. I'll repeat the statement. Without the revelation of Jesus Christ, 
you are not born again. If we can switch off this fan for me, brother Clement. Are you still with me? Amen. In the message, and I, I just want to, uh, to connect the two, in the message, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. The paragraph is 234. He says, what is the new birth then? You'd say, well, Brother Brenham, what is the new birth? It is the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. Are you with me? Now, if the new birth, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you, that means without the revelation of Jesus Christ, you are not born again. I'm not saying you are not attending church. I'm not saying you are not associating with believers. I'm saying you are not born again. That means if you do not know him, you are not born again. Because to know him is life. How many agree that to know him is life? And in the end time, we have to know him. I hope we are together. Now, I want to speak about this uh, because now they had sent the people to come and hear him out. And they had come and they were in the midst. Uh, I don't know, we can call them the undercover agents. And they were there in the audience listening to him as he was speaking. And they were listening and as they were listening, he began to expound on the scriptures. Then as he preached, then it created a division among them. There are some that thought he was a good man. And they were not wrong. Are you with me? But you and I know that he was not just a good man. He was more than a good man. Are you with me? There are some that thought he was a, a good preacher. But you and I agree that he was more than a good preacher. Are you with me? Some, some, some thought that he was, he was blaspheming. So it created a division amongst them. Are you still with me? But then it begs the question that who is he? Now, you need to understand the background of the scripture. During that time, the Jews were under the Roman rule. And they were expecting that somebody would come when their idea of the Messiah was that it was somebody that was going to lead what I would call a revolution against the Romans. They thought it was somebody that was going to put the Romans in their place and as much as God put Pharaoh in his place. But when Jesus came and he asked them a question, he actually took a coin and said, whose image is on the coin? Then they said to Caesar. He said, render to Caesar what is of Caesar. Now, that statement on its own, it stumbled certain people that had expected him to lead a revolution against the Romans. But I'm here to report that he was not a revolutionary. Hallelujah. And even today, I hear people attempting, there is a teacher amongst the Muslim that is quite loved uh, not for gospel reasons, a lot of times for political reasons, Louis Farrakhan. I heard him, he said, Jesus was a Muslim. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. And I said, to, uh, they don't understand, he's speaking in folk tongue. Jesus was not a Muslim. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus was not a Muslim. And he further said, Jesus was not a Christian. 
Yes, I can agree that Jesus was not a Christian, but the Christians are the byproduct of Christ. Uh, hallelujah. A, bro- a byproduct, it is something that is made of the, the very thing that it came out of. So you and I, we are made of the same material that made Christ. Are you still with me? That is why when they saw the believers the first time in Antioch, they called them the Christians for they were behaving and conducting and speaking and living like Christ. Are you still with me? Now, during that time, everybody had expected that you would come. But let us come to a statement in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 52. Uh, verse 52, that is John chapter 8, verse 52. You don't need to read with me, I'll read it. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that uh, thou hast a David. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Are thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who makest thou thyself? What what are you claiming to be? Remember, Jesus was killed for three charges. The first charge was that he loved the sinners. The second charge was that he healed on Sabbath. The third charge was that he being a man, he maketh himself God. Are you still with me? Now, Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, But I know him. If I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him. And keeping his saying, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet fifty years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Hallelujah. Now, remember, this statement is saying it among the Jews. They rever Abraham as the father of faith. They are using Abraham as a point of reference on everything. But yet they know when Jesus was born. They knew even how controversial his birth came about. They know that he was the son of Mary. They know that before Joseph and Mary met together, Jesus was already conceived. They know and they could pinpoint and say, this man was born out of the wedlock. Are you still with me? But the very one that came from a controversial background, 
He speaks to them and say, Abraham, your father, saw my day. And he rejoiced. And they say, you are not yet 50. How dare you say you were there before Abraham? He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And I'm saying, who is this man? Are you still with me? I, I, I hope we are together here. Because even with the Greeks, they came and they were looking to see Jesus. And they said, say, shall we see Jesus? And when they came, Brother Branham said, they were expecting to see something spectacular, but they found a man. Amen. Are you still with me? He says, when they, they, when they looked, they saw the man. But the predestinated ones, when they looked, they saw beyond a man. Are you still with me? And I'm saying there are still divisions in the end time as to who is this man. Are you still with me? Some, they think that he was just a, a founder of Christianity. So, uh, that can be equated to Mahomet. Jesus Christ was greater than Mahomet. Yes. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ was greater than Buddha. And actually, every sermon that can ever be preached upon the face of the earth without any reference to Jesus Christ, that sermon is useless. Hallelujah. I say every sermon that can ever be uttered by the human lips upon the face of the earth, if it does not involve the Lord Jesus Christ, such sermon must be rejected. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the central theme of Christianity. From Genesis to Revelation, the central theme is the Lord Jesus Christ. But what, what caused the division? I, when I read the scripture, there wasn't much dispute on the fact that Jesus was Jesus of Nazareth. Had you announced him as Jesus of Nazareth, Everybody, even the Sadducees and the Pharisees, even the scribes would have agreed with you. But the moment you attributed the deity to Jesus Christ, it is exactly what stumbled to the people. Why? Even today, some of the Muslims can never comprehend when we worship Jesus. Because to them, it's a man that was born. To them, when they look at him, is the man that was born, it is the man that got hungry, is the man that finally died. Are we together? But you and I, we don't end up there. We know that he was the only man in human history that ever said, I'll lay down my life and pick it up within three days. Yeah. Hallelujah. Am I talking to Christians this evening? I say, he was the only man from Genesis to Revelation, that ever say, destroy this temple, but within three days, I will raise it. Yes. Hallelujah. Jesus was not killed. He gave up his life. Yes. If he could have been killed, that means the devil has got power over him. He's got no power. He gave up his life, and within 72 hours, he raised from the dead. Yes. Are you still with me? Yes, I hope we are together here. Now, even in his ministry, you get a sense that uh, what, what seemed to be the main point was his identification. Because he's asking the disciples the question, who do men say I am? Why? He knew, and, and when they answered, some said, you are Elias, some said, you are Jeremiah, some say, you are Isaiah. It means that there was a, a, a division among the people as to who he was. Then he asked them and said, but who do you say I am? 
And I want to tell you, without the heavenly intervention, there was going to be a division among the disciples. But Peter, because he was synchronized with heaven, heaven dropped a revelation into the heart of Peter. And this evening, I want to say, you will never know him without the revelation. I say you can sing about him, but not know him. You can write about him and never know him. You can read about him and never know him. You can hear about him and never know him. But what takes you to know him, it is by revelation. When he personally reveals himself to you, and you know and have an individual experience, and you can answer this with, I have found him. Not everyone can utter that. Now, even in our time, if you ask within the secular world, who is Jesus? Some to them, it's a myth- mythical personality that was never there in history. That is just being an image that is being conjured up in the minds of the people. Some, they believe he was there. And we've got some people that even have got filthy minds to such an extent that some even within the homosexual community would want you to regard Jesus that he was homosexual because he never got married. I'm saying I need to announce it right here. That's a bunch of nonsense. Hallelujah. These are people with perverted minds. Jesus was not a pervert. The reason he never got married is because why? He was the husband and today you are the wife. Because why? Paul says, when I speak about a man and a woman, behold, I speak about a great mystery, and it is between Christ and the church. Are you still with me? He could never be married to any man. Actually, actually, Jesus is the only man in history that ever said to the people, if you know my sin, call it out. Oh, no one can ever dare say that. I guess if this evening I dare say I have no sin, somebody will say, ah, I remember you did one, two, three. Your family can point out on things that you ever, ever done. But Jesus was the only one that ever said, call it out if I've ever committed sin. And they could not come up even one single sin. Why? Because he was sinless. Folks, I say he was sinless. He never came through the passage of sin. He came through the virgin birth. His birth was not as a result of human sensation. It was a supernatural birth to bring the natural people back to the supernatural realm. I'm talking about Jesus here, folks. I'm talking about somebody that came that you can never attribute his birth to any man. Joseph could have never claimed to be the father of Jesus. That's why he could tell Mary and say, don't you know that I need to go about my father's business? Why? Because Joseph was a carpenter, but Jesus was the son of God. Folks, there was not even a drop of Mary's blood in the body of Jesus Christ. There was not even the blood of Joseph in the body of Jesus Christ. There was not even the blood of the Jewish in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was not even a Samaritan drop of blood. There was not even the Gentile drop of blood. It was the very blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God himself provided that sacrifice. 
there's still a division in the end time. There are people that would want to use politics to reject him. Some, when you speak about Jesus, especially on the continent, they say he was a white man. Some, when you get into certain cycles, they speak about black Jesus. Folks, this Jesus was not a product of political order. Hallelujah. This Jesus was not man-made. This Jesus was the very mind of God, was the very logos that became flesh. Are you still with me? I say he was the very Elohim that became flesh. And if you do not believe that Jesus Christ was God made flesh, I have got no better way of putting it. There is no hope for you as a person. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ was God made flesh, the chances of you making to heaven are zero. Firstly, you've got to to acknowledge his deity. Because Paul says without controversy, this is not a debatable matter. This can never be disputed that the God of heaven put on flesh and walked amongst men and women here and went all the way to Golgotha and died on Calvary and said, it is finished. Hallelujah. Are you glad glad to know Jesus? Are you glad to know Jesus? Now, in the message, the future home, Paragraph 156, I made a reference to this last week. Now here it was, and this little woman, Brother Brenham, if you remember, almost every message he would reference the Samaritan woman for some reason. And it says, now this little woman, she was one of his attributes. And this evening I want to say some of you, are his attributes. Hallelujah. You are his attributes. And there was the priest representing the light. He had learned it from the Bible. He had learned that God was God. He had learned that holiness was right. He was learned that there was a law of God. He had learned it because of intellectual conception. And he was born in the right lineage. He was a Levite. Hallelujah. But he only knew it by intellectual conception. When the light of the hour. You see, there is what settles all the matters. We can sing about him. We can talk about him. We can preach about him. But when the light of the hour shines, it brings a division among the people that speak about him. They had read about the Messiah coming. They had hoped he was coming. But when he came, there was only one man that was John the Baptist that said, Behold the Lamb of God. And only the people that caught the revelation of who he was, they followed the Messiah. The Bible says, actually, among the disciples of John, it was only the two disciples that followed the Messiah. My question is, what happened to the rest of them? They did not know the supernatural transition that was taking place. They were comfortable to hang around John. 
They were comfortable just to listen to the sermons of John. But the sermons of John were there to introduce the Messiah. The sermons of Elijah in the end time are here to introduce the Messiah. We are not just satisfied with the sermons. We are not just satisfied with the singing. We want to know him. That's why Paul says, I desire to know nothing among you except Christ that's crucified. This evening, I desire to know nothing among you except Christ they crucified. Folks, Christ is the end goal. I say Christ is the end goal. Hallelujah. Let's carry on. Now he says, he was a Levite. And he only knew it, it by intellectual conception. And when the light of the hour, see, he learned it by what had happened. Not what was happening. The reason you are a message believer is because you learn it by what is unfolding now. Not what has happened. The Lutherans, they want to understand him by what has happened. The Pentecostals want to understand it by what has happened. But you want to know him by what he's doing in current time. That's why then the phrase, the message of the hour. Not the message of yesterday. Not the message of last week. Not the message of last year. But the message of the hour. That means today you can never know him by Luther's message. Luther was a great man. But if you want to learn him by that, that means you are living in the glare of another age. Are you still with me? He learned it by what had happened, not what was happening. What had happened when he found, this is the priest now, when he found out what was happening, his denomination said nothing about it. Therefore, he had no representation of it. But here was the Redeemer on earth at that time to redeem those attributes of God. She, the Samaritan woman, received it. She never questioned it. She never, she said, when the Messiah cometh, he will do this. And that settled it. And she saw it done. He said, I am the Messiah. So that settled it. No more questions. She went on telling everybody else, come see who I found. Hallelujah. What happened? The Samaritan woman had a revelation of who he was. Are you still with me? She did not learn it by what had happened. She did not learn it by history. She learned it based on the revelation that she had. Just do it quickly, brother. Just bear with us. Amen. Are you happy to know him? Amen. All right, so tell Are you with me? Now, that's why some people, when we say we follow the Messiah, 
some people they think it's foolishness. But let's come and read this. Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Paragraph 304. Brother says, By lack of this revelation is why we have so many different divisions among us. By this lack of revelation, that is why over time some people wanted to, to bring their own and inject their own ideas into the good head and claim that uh, uh, he was the second person of Trinity. And they went on with the two-ness doctrine. It is wrong, folks. Amen. Trinitarians and two-ness are no different. But while you are enjoying it, Brother Brown says, I'm not oneness. Hallelujah. It is not oneness, it is not two-ness, it is not a three-ness. It is why? It is the same God that has got the omnipresence. Uh, are you still with me? Because if it becomes one like a finger, that means he's going to be limited in one man. God can be in heaven, God can be on earth, God can be everywhere at the same time. So you cannot contain him in a bottle and say God is one like a finger. Are you still together? He fills up, he's in that brother, he's in that sister, he's across the globe. He's in this service, he's in another service across the globe. Are you still with me? But Brother says, by lack of this revelation is why we have so many different divisions among us. Remember, as much as there was a division amongst them as to who he is, you need to know that today what Christ is, this message, it is this son of man. Brahm says you are feeding on the body weight, the weight body of the son of man. This message is Christ in the end time. And as much as there was divisions there about him, there will be divisions in the end time about him. And as much as they said, who is this? Tonight, some people say, what is this? Hallelujah. But as much as they provided the answer there, Peter said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. There must be people that come in contact with the message tonight and say, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. Are you still with me? Bram says, by lack of this revelation is why we have so many different divisions among us and so much mockery. So much division among us is because the people lack that revelation. So they lack that revelation. Even the teachers, are you still with me? So what, what is the problem? They lack that revelation. Now, let me come to this one. Why today you say you are a Christian? Why today you say you are a believer? It is because you believe that somebody died and rose from the dead for you. And you believe that the very life that was in that person tonight, that same life is in, in, in your heart as a believer. Are you still with me, folks? That means for you to be a Christian, the life of Christ must be in you as a believer. And that means if there was divisions among the people because of him, there's going to be divisions among the people because of you. Because why? There, it created a confusion to those that never had the revelation of who he was. And in the end time, it will create exactly the same confusion. But for the people that will understand you, is those that have a revelation. 
If the people don't have a revelation, they just look at us, people that are looking at, reading at the books of somebody that died long time ago, clapping hands, rejoicing over that because they've got no revelation. But to us, this message, it is the risen Lord Jesus Christ in the end time. Are you still with me? I hope we are together here. Now, Brother Brennan speaks about the message of the wounded dove. He says there was a time when the Roman soldiers, no, the German soldiers, had besieged the American soldiers. And he says they were down in the pit. And he says as they were coming with their machinery, these American soldiers realized that unless they got reinforcement, there was no way they were going to be massacred. Are you with me? And it says that they were coming in numbers and they knew that unless we get the message out to the headquarters, we are gone. Brother Ram said there was one soldier amongst them. And that soldier had a pigeon, a dove. And it says that soldier, he took out a piece of paper and he attached, he attached, he attacked that uh, on the leg of that dove. He attacked that message and he wrote to the headquarters, we need reinforcement. Unless we are assisted, we are finished. And it says now he released the dove. And it says the dove took off. And it says when the German soldiers saw the dove taking off from the American camp, they knew what was happening. Brother Bram said with a 30 caliber gun, they shot at the dove. He said they shot at the lake. And he said, but the dove kept on flying. And he says, another one shot, and they shot at the back of the dove. He said, the dove kept on flying. He says, now here was the dove. It was broken. It was wounded. It was bruised. But it kept on flying. Because why? It knew that the salvation of the American soldier depended on that dove. And he said, it flew away until it got reached the headquarters. And when it reached the headquarters, then they got the message that reinforcement was needed. And Brother Brenham said there was another dove, which is Isaiah 53. He says he was bruised, he was broken, he was rejected, he was belittled. But he had a message, and on Calvary, he took a fly and went to the doorstop of heaven and said, they need the reinforcement down there. And today, the people that were once sinners can be saved. Hallelujah. The people that are sick can be healed. What is the secret? The message of the wounded dove. Jesus Christ was not just a preacher. Jesus Christ was not just a prophet. Jesus Christ was not just a founder of a religion. Jesus Christ was our redeemer. I say, without Jesus Christ, we are all lost. Without Jesus Christ, all our sins are still on record. But the blood of Jesus Christ eradicated every memory of sin from the book of God. Hallelujah. I say, no man, no man who have had great men in human history. Every nation has got the people that they river. But Gandhi can never redeem our sins. Muhammad can never redeem our sins. Hallelujah. Martin Luther King can never redeem our sins. Nelson Mandela can never redeem our sin. J.F. Kennedy can never redeem our sin. There is only one man that came down the corridors of eternity. His name is none other than the Lord himself. 
He had the power to stop the process of death. But love constrained him to allow himself to be spitted on. To allow himself to be beaten. But he went all the way to Calvary. Why? Because he had you and I on his mind. I say he had you and I on his mind. And he went and hung on Calvary. Hallelujah. He hung on the Calvary. But yet, one word from him could have stopped the process. When he hung on the cross, although humanity never understood who he was, but the son recognized who he was. That day, the sun refused to shine. The moon refused to shine. The stars refused to shine. The earth trembled. What was happening? The king of glory was hanging on the cross. He had the power to redeem himself, but he did not redeem himself. Why? He had you and I on his mind. Hallelujah. And a Roman soldier pierced by his side, and the Bible says while he was there, he gave up the coast. But here is the last statement that he said on the cross. It is finished. Hallelujah. What is finished, my brother? My sins are forgiven. What is finished? The redemption process is done. What needed to be bought has been bought. What needed to be forgiven has been forgiven. Glory to God. That weekend, many souls were on their way to hell. Those that were born, those that were still yet to be born, all of them were on their way to hell. But when he died on the Calvary, he changed the direction of many sins. And tonight, he can still change a direction of many souls. Young man, can you hear me? He can change your direction. Young woman, he can change your direction. Old man, he can change your direction. Oh, glory to God. There is no sin that is too bad for him not to forgive. You can say better amen than that. I said there is no sin that is too bad for him not to forgive. How do I know as I'm speaking right now, if the curtain of time was to open, there is two gentlemen that are fellowshipping. And those gentlemen, it is humanly impossible that they could fellowship. Who are their names? Paul and Stephen. One killed the other. The murderer and the murdered are at the same place rejoicing. How do you explain that? Hallelujah. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can ever produce that. And furthermore, there is not even bitterness in Stephen. When he sees Paul as we are speaking, he says, my brother, for me to arrive here, you killed me. Hallelujah. How does a murderer make it to heaven? Only the blood of Jesus Christ. Reminds me of the thief on the cross. As they were dying, he looked at him and said, have mercy on me. He was destined to hell, but he said, have mercy on me. Say tonight, you will be with me in paradise. Brother Branham says, you know what happened? He says, Jesus Christ went to the region of the lost. But he says, now that thief went straight to the region of the blessed. Brother Branham, when he dramatizes, he says, there was a knock on the door. And when there were saints who were wondering who was there, and Abraham said, who's there? 
and somebody answer and say, it's me, the thief. They thought you must have been having a wrong address. Thieves don't come here. Thieves go to the region of the lost. And they open. And Brother Brenham, when he speaks about it in the message, glorify Jesus. He said the thief started running around in paradise. And they asked him and said, as a thief, why did you come here? He said, no, I was dying on the cross. But there was somebody that was dying next to me. I had never been to church. I had never been baptized. But I had a revelation. I had a revelation. Why? Because new birth, it is not baptism. New birth, it is to know him. The thief was not baptized. But the thief had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was on the cross. Glory to God. And right there, Brother Abraham said, it changed the mood in paradise. He says right there, it was Isaiah. He said, now, I remember I once prophesied that behold, a vision shall conceive. And while I was testifying, Daniel said, wait a minute, I've got a testimony. I once saw him as a rock that was huge out of the mountain without hands. Hallelujah. Then Ezekiel said, shush, it's my time. He was the wind in the middle of the wheel. Job said, no, you have spoken. It's time for me to speak. I remember I was on the hedge here, but a vision broke it. And I said, I know, and I know that my redeemer liveth. That's my redeemer. Abraham said, hey, as I'm an elder, I had much better say something. Glory to God. He said, this is the promised son that God gave me a promise of. Hallelujah. It started a testimony meeting. What started that testimony meeting? A sea, a thief that was destined for hell. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the soul was redirected to heaven. And I'm saying, that blood shall never lose its power. I said, that blood shall never lose its power. Hallelujah. It is still in the sin cleansing business. The blood still heals the diseases. It was not the chemistry, but it was the life in the blood. That same life tonight is here in the building. I say it is here in the building. You don't need to go back to your sin anymore. You can raise wherever you are and declare to the world, I am free. Jesus Christ can set you free. Not a church, not a pastor, not a man of God, but Jesus Christ can set you free. I hope you are still with me. And when he was dying, Brother Brennan prays a prayer here. In the message, the great and mighty conqueror, paragraph 78, he says, Blessed Heavenly Father, 45 minutes have passed. It's exactly 45 minutes probably that has passed or more than so in this instance as well. The way it has gone forth. Our hearts are happy. The jubilee is on. Not just a jubilee for one day. Folks, not just a jubilee on Sunday. Not just a jubilee on Wednesday night. A jubilee from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday. 
Hallelujah. During summer, during winter, it's a jubilee going on in the heart of the believer. Because he that the son sets free, he sets him free indeed. He says, but a jubilee for eternity. In glory, the angels are singing. Folks, what makes the angels to sing? What makes the angels to sing? When a son of God is converted. Folks, this is something that you need to know. When Thomas Edison first discovered the bulb, heaven never moved. When the, when the, 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 is it the, oh, these guys that came up with the plane, is it the Wayne brother, Wayne's brothers? Who? The Wright brothers. When they invented the aeroplane, heaven never moved. When the telephone was invented, heaven never moved. But when you, came into the message and accepted the Lord as your personal Savior. Glory to God. Heaven began to rejoice. Angels began to sing. Everything was saying, Hallelujah. The Son of God, the daughter of God is coming back because you are connected to heaven. Oh God. The church triumph singing. The joy bells are ringing. Souls that were once condemned to death and to die and go to the devil's grave. The devil has been conquered. Folks, the devil has been conquered. Who conquered the devil? The Lord himself. Muhammad never conquered the devil. Buddha never conquered the devil. There is only one man that conquered the devil. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Souls that were once condemned to death and to die and go to the devil's grave. The devil has been conquered. Death has been conquered. The grave has been conquered. Sickness has been conquered. Superstition has been conquered. Malice has been conquered. Hatred has been conquered. Indifference has been conquered. Stashiness has been conquered. Self-styles has been conquered. Everything has been conquered. How many agree with that? Glory to God. Because as he was hanging on the cross and he gave up the ghost, there was a, 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 a veil in the temple. And that veil was woven. Uh, it had uh, seven sheets to it, 72 sheets to it. Very, very thick veil. But it says when he died on the cross, it was ripped apart from the, from the top to the bottom. And it was the act of God. Yeah. What was happening? A place that was restricted, that the high priest only went once a year. Now everybody. Yeah. Hallelujah. The place, the place where the king, where the, the priest, had to have the bell, so he had to be, so he had to be t- tied around the waist. And he would go in with bells there. Say, Hallelujah! Chiming. What was happening? So that if, they, if he's dead, they can know that he's dead. He had to be in a certain way. He had to smell in a certain way. Dress in a certain way. Walk in a certain way. Hallelujah! It was a mysterious room. No one that walked past that curtain. 
But when Jesus died on the cross, it was ripped apart. The priest was no longer in business. Now, everybody, I say everybody, and I'll tatara, glory to God, a drunkard, whosoever willeth, anyone that had the ability to respond, they could go behind the curtain. It was death not to go behind the curtain, but today it is death not to go behind the curtain. Brother, when you walk there, Brother Bram said, when that curtain drops behind you, the noise of the world gets shut behind you. Everything gets shut behind you. What happened? You are now in the presence of the Shekinah glory. And Paul comes and says, let us have the boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies. Why does it require boldness? It's because people were afraid to walk in. But I said, tonight, I don't say qualify. Get in. Walk in. And make sure that you are shut in with Christ. And there are things that are going to happen when you are in the presence of the Shekinah glory. The rod of Aaron that was dead, when it was ushered into the presence of Shekinah glory, it budded. Are you dead tonight? Are there areas in your life that are dead? But tonight there is a promise. Get behind the curtain. Get into the presence of the Shekinah glory. Things that are dead will come back to life. I said things that are dead will come back to life. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Brother Abraham says, He ripped that veil that hid men from God. Now God dwells among men. He rent that veil that kept of God's healing. He rent that veil that kept of God's blessing. He rent that veil that kept of God's joy. He rent that veil that kept of God's peace. Now the veil is rent into two. With his own blood, he walked out as a conqueror. The battle is over. I said the battle is over. Folks, we are not fighting against Satan. We are here to enforce his defeat. Satan was defeated 2,000 years ago. It needs the believer just to step on the devil's neck and say, you were defeated 2,000 years ago. Are you sick this evening? You need to step on your sickness and say, he declared victory 2,000 years ago. What did he say, folks? He said, I am a conqueror, but I make you more than conquerors. Tonight, you are more than conquerors. It's not me that is saying that. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that said, you are more than conquerors. And begin to walk like one. Begin to act like one. Begin to speak like one. Are you still with me? Brother says, now this is the message. Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. Paragraph 29. Preach this on the 21st of November 1959. Brahman says, what are we afraid about? And it's my question tonight. What are you afraid about? Why are you scared? If somebody died and rose again and saved you, and made a personal commitment that he would protect you 
What are you afraid about? What are you afraid about tonight? What worries you tonight? That's why the singers say, cast your burdens on him. And leave it there. Leave it there. He says, possess the gates. We have God's promise. We have his weight. We have his Holy Spirit. The angels are encamped about. Everything is in order. Every wall can be taken down. It's already taken down. The Son of God goes before us. His banners is waving. There is nothing that can stand in the way of a saint going to meet a promise of God. Death cannot stop it. The grave cannot stop it. The devil can't stop it. We are more than conquerors. If it means more than it means you are not a conqueror, you are more than a conqueror. Sickness is conquered. Friends, death is conquered for you. Today, after, after, after Paul had known and had a revelation, remember, Paul was the only one that never walked with Jesus. And you know, when you never walked with somebody, you can be very discredited. Even when people give a testimony, they can say, I remember when we went out fishing with the Lord. And they turn and look at you because you were not there. So that's how Paul was. That's why later he came and said to them, I know not him after the flesh, but I know him after the spirit. I do not hunt with him, but I know him after the spirit, that he is my redeemer. And how Paul knew him, you had better know him in that way. And Paul, after he had known him, when he faced death, he looked at death, he never screamed and said, oh, I'm dying. No. He said, death, where is thy victory? The grave, where is that sting? What was happening is because the revelation of Jesus Christ gave him power over death. Why? It, he knew that if the head went into the grave and came out, if the body goes into the grave, it will come out. Whatever the head went through, the body will go exactly through the same experience. Are you with me? Have you ever seen just a resurrected head? It has to be the whole body. If the spirit that was once in Jesus, if it dwells in you, it will raise you from the dead. So why are you afraid of tonight? Amen. It says sickness is conquered. Death is conquered. Unbeliever, won't you receive him? Habits have been conquered. The blood of Jesus Christ takes away the habit. Under the blood of the bulls and the goats, they came every year. I think the priest must have known people that are, ah, brother, I will see you next year. You have this problem we all know. Sister, I will see you next year. Until they realize that bringing the, goat, the, the, the bulls and the goats and the sheep and the doves to the temple, it was beginning to be an embarrassment because, uh, you know, if you had a role, a leader, you had to really carry a big sacrifice. 
Now, if the people are seeing you on your way to the temple and you are pulling, uh, hallelujah, uh, sacrifices, all of them, they know, ah, he did it again. Brother. Uh, hallelujah. Are, are you with me? Because if you don't do that, you are not forgiven. But when Jesus came, he abolished that system and say, it's no longer going to be every year that you come here. You come once, it is forgiven. The blood of the gods never took away the desire to see, but the blood of Jesus Christ, it takes away the desire to sin. No wonder the priest did not love Jesus because he took them out of business. They knew that I will see you, brother, next year. But after the blood was shed on Calvary, the brother raised his hands and said, I accept what happened on Calvary. And when he accepted that, the priest never saw him anymore. Even when he went to the priest in the street, he just said, hello. And the priest said, you are no longer coming. He says, oh, priest, you don't know. The blood of the bulls and the coals Never, he just covered my sin. But today, I am a brand new creature. A brand new creature. Not subject to old habits anymore. Am I preaching to all, to new creatures in the building? How many had habits that they struggled with? How many had sinful desires that they struggled with? How many were living imperfect, vile, and filthy lives? But today, you look at your life, you say it is not by intellect, it is not by education, it is by revelation of knowing who Jesus Christ is. And maybe I had my, I've got an announcement that I need help. Demons, the David, and everything must hear. Every man and woman in the building, and there any man and woman that is within the sound of my voice, when they are saved, the sacrifice that took place on Calvary, their sins are no more. I say their sins are no more. Their sins are forgiven. Even God himself does not remember them. You remember them, but God does not remember them. God has got no record of your wrongdoing. As I said the other time, he says to David, he says he say to God, the devil says to God, look at that fella. Look how he's rejoicing in church. That's not your son. This is what he did, this is what he did. And God says, show me Satan. Let me look. And God looks. And when he looks, because your sin is red, and the blood is red, and red through red becomes, and God looks and says, Satan, I cannot see anything. And the devil says, you favor him. He says, but I cannot see anything. What is the difference? The blood of Jesus Christ forgives all sins and takes the desire to sin. Are you here, musician? We say, the blood shall never lose its power. I said, the blood shall never lose its power. 
Young woman, are you in the building? The blood shall never lose its power. Tonight, I think we can put, we can pull our chest out and face David and say our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. Not by Buddha, but the Lord himself came into the body and died for my sins. And he said, it is forgiven. Brother Brown says, death cannot stop it. The grave cannot stop it. We are more than conquerors. Sickness is conquered, friends. Death is conquered for you. Unbeliever, won't you receive him? Habits have been conquered. Temptations have been conquered. I said temptations, they are going to be there, but they've been conquered. You say, I've got a temper. Get over it. It's conquered. Hallelujah. He's already conquered it. The great final seat of Abraham. There is no more to, there's no more conquering to do now. He conquered for us. There is no more conquering to be done now. He conquered for us. In closing, I have told you about that boy. That got him as a drama in the battle. And they had taught him that when the battle goes this way and we win the battle, this is the beat that you beat. And as the battle was raging and the troops were losing the battle, and as they were losing the battle, the boy kept on playing the victory beat. And now one general shouted at the boy and said, stop playing the victory beat. Play the defeat beat. The boy screamed and said, I was never played, taught how to play the defeat beat. I was only taught how to play the victory beat. Tonight, there is not even one time where Jesus Christ ever taught you to play a defeat beat. I say there is no defeat beat in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep on playing the victory beat. If you are sick, keep on playing the victory beat. If you are dying, keep on playing the victory beat. Hallelujah. If trials come, keep on playing the victory beat. Oh, that confuses Satan. To see a believer that he knows that I got this guy cornered. I've got this woman cornered. But in your corner, you say, I am more than a conqueror. And you keep on rejoicing and testifying. It confuses Satan. Tonight, as the army of the living God, I say, we have no defeat beat. We have no defeat beat. Forward we go, backwards we never go. Why? Jesus Christ is our five-star general. He has never suffered a defeat even one time. He faced death and conquered death. He faced a trial, he conquered trial. And if he was, so shall you be. I thank him for the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank him for the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank him for his redemptive power. Glory to God. How many believe that he deserves to be worshipped? He deserves to be praised. That's why we say, when I remember where I used to be, no, 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 I'm not returning back there. We are now blood-bought children of the living God. The worshippers of Christ. 
In closing, Mahomet has a place where he is buried. And they go there, brother, say they are changing a horse every year. Buddha has a place where he was buried. All great men have got places where they were buried. But there is one man that has got an empty tomb. There is only one man that has empty tomb. Lazarus rose from the dead, but he died again. But there is only one man that rose from the dead and never died again. And there is an empty tomb in Jerusalem today. And what was that empty tomb? The Lord Jesus Christ. An empty tomb. Glory to God as we stand. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. How many are thankful in the building for the blood of Jesus? Brother Branham said, God took your sin. And he threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. And he put a big sign there. No more fishing. Oh, folks, don't pretend like if we're going to go and fish there, you're going to be a proud man. There are some stuff buried there. You had much better rejoice and say, no more fishing. Satan, no more fishing. Once it is under the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes whiter than snow. Jesus. Lord Jesus. Thankful in the belly for the blood.
The blood of Jesus reaches to the highest, highest what? Mountain. Eternal Heavenly Father, 
Once more, as the song says, your blood shall never lose its power. Reminds of us of an old David in the Bible when he said, I was a young man, today I'm an old man. I've never seen the Lord forsaken his children, Lord. Heavenly Father, we can stand here and start a testimony, Lord, tonight. Say, since we knew you as our personal Savior, Lord, you are our Savior, you are our Father, you are our parent, you are our mother, Lord. You are a brother, you are everything into our lives, Lord. You don't need anything, Heavenly Father, because we know who knows tomorrow, Lord. Heavenly Father, we say we thank you once more this evening. As Heavenly Father, you came through our pastor, Lord. Heavenly Father, you invited us to come and stand on this great banister, Lord. And we saw God unveiling himself, Lord. Heavenly Father, it wasn't him that was speaking to us. Heavenly Father, as you always use the body of a man, Heavenly Father, thank you once more this evening, Lord, that you came and you used this body, Heavenly Father. You used his mouth, Heavenly Father, to speak to us as thy children, Heavenly Father. We say thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father. Bless him once more, Heavenly Father. Give him more revelation, Heavenly Father, that he may take from thee, Heavenly Father, and give it unto us, Heavenly Father, to feed us, Lord, as thy children, Heavenly Father. Thank you once more. We have heard your word, Heavenly Father. Let us not let us meditate upon it, Heavenly Father, as we go out, Heavenly Father, until we meet again at the appointed time, Lord. Bless him, Heavenly Father. Bless each and every one of us that is here, Lord. Whatever that we had, Heavenly Father, may it be in our hearts, Heavenly Father. May it be hidden there, Heavenly Father. May we meditate upon thy word, Lord. As thy word said, Heavenly Father, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Thank you once more, Lord. Bless thy church, Heavenly Father. We believe every Father, every single word that you have spoken tonight. Heavenly Father, as we will be going, Heavenly Father, we are asking for a traveling mercy. That be with us, Heavenly Father, until we reach our destination, Heavenly Father. Bless the church once more. We say, Heavenly Father, bless each and every one of you. Us, Heavenly Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and all the church shall agree by saying, Amen. Blessed be the time that binds our Christian hearts. Till we see you, that after once we are done, then you are dismissed. Amen. Christian love.
Lose. 